You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome to A Bigger Life. I'm Dave Cover. We looked in the last episode at Acts 26 when Jesus, the risen Jesus, appeared to the Apostle Paul. It's an encounter that Paul talks about in Acts 26, verses 12 through 18. It's one of a couple times, or three times, that Paul recounts the story of Jesus appearing to him. And Paul says that when Jesus appeared to him, the risen Jesus, he was brighter than the sun. It knocked him and his companions to the ground, and then Jesus spoke to him. And that appearance of Jesus to Paul changed everything for Paul. It was an encounter that few people in all of history have had to see the glorified risen Jesus shining brighter than the sun. And that encounter and Jesus's words to him changed the rest of Paul's life. That's the turning point in Paul's life. And and so when you read the letters of Paul in the New Testament, you know, like almost half the New Testament or a good portion of the New Testament, not sure how much, if it's a third or if it's half, I can't remember, but it's a good chunk of the New Testament are the letters of Paul. And you can see in those letters his deep felt worship of Jesus, that it's the worship of Jesus because of the Jesus that he saw, the Jesus that he heard, that makes him a man of intense emotion, intense passion for Christ and that comes out in other situations. And so one of my favorite places in Acts is when Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. And he's he's been warned by the Holy Spirit that when he goes to Jerusalem, it's not going to go well for him. He's going to be taken captive. He's going to be imprisoned. And it's going to go, go badly for him. And it ends up going badly for him. He ends up being taken captive. And and put in prison and eventually taken to Rome and imprisoned there to stand trial. But on his way to Jerusalem, before any of that, he is kind of making a last stop at a place near Ephesus. Now, he had spent three years in Ephesus. He doesn't want to go there because it would just be too long because of the relationships he has there. He can't just go in and say hi and bye. So he stops at an island called Miletus and asked for the elders of the church in Ephesus to come out and see him. So the elders come out and see him and he gives this speech. I don't know, lack of a better term. He talks to them and it's recorded in Acts. Now it's kind of fascinating whenever I read Acts, you can tell the historicity of it just by the way it reads. Uh, In the part before this, Luke is just simply giving details of their ship uh, as far as sailing on the ship, where they went. And he says things like things like this in, in, in verse 13. We went on ahead. He's kind of talking in the we because he was there. Some places in Acts, there is no we because he's not there. So you can see the we passages and then not the we passages. This is one of the we passages where Luke is present. He says, we went on ahead. He's talking about being on the ship. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. So Paul sent them ahead on the ship to a place called Assos. Paul was going to go there on foot. Verse 14, when he met us at Assos, we took him aboard 
and went on to Miletine. The next day we set sail from there and arrived at Chios. The day after that we crossed over to Samos and on the following day arrived at Miletus. And so you have this detailed of their journey and it gets even more detailed when you get to chapter 27. Uh, It's actually one of the most detailed ancient shippings of the first century, ancient shipping accounts. So whether you're Christian or not, if you're a secular historian, Acts 26 is priceless. It's one of the most detailed of ancient shipping that there is in antiquity because Luke gave so much detail. And he's talking from memory. He's talking because he experienced it. And he's doing the same thing here in Acts 20 when he's giving the account of what Paul said to these elders at Miletus. And I'm turning here because it's always been one of those passages that I've turned to from time to time because it reminds me of the passion of Paul's vision of Jesus and how that brought constant worship in his life of Jesus and it brought an emotion in his life that compelled him to be willing to suffer for Jesus. It compelled him to love people, to help them come to Jesus. And it compelled him to see his life as this race to run rather than a life that's lived for me and lived for my fulfillment. All that went out the window the minute Paul saw Jesus. The minute Paul saw Jesus, he saw the real game, and that is resurrection. And so even after that account, when he, we looked at it in the last episode in Acts 26, even after that, what we didn't look at was what he says after that. He says what after that, he talked about how Jesus was the first to rise from the dead. In other words, Jesus' resurrection is the first of the new creation. It's the first of the restoration. Jesus' resurrected body is the first fruits, he says, in other passages in, in Romans 8 for example. And so Paul saw his life as not living to die, but living for resurrection, living for this hope that this world is a place now where I'm living in a battle zone. I'm in this cosmic drama. My choices really matter. My life is not to be lived as if I'm in peacetime but my life is to be lived in some sense in a wartime mindset. Now, you know, we don't want to have that to the extreme where we can't enjoy God's good gifts when God gives them, but we don't want to make idols out of God's gifts as if that's that's what our life is about. Our life is about Christ. Our life is about seeing this drama that we're in and that we would see the risen Christ and worship the risen Christ and live for the risen Christ believe the risen Christ, sense the presence of the living Christ by the Holy Spirit, and that we would walk with Christ. As Peter says in Acts 3, that we would have times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord while we wait for Christ to return and restore all things. I do best in my spiritual life when I look at my life that way. And so I want to look at this passage in Acts chapter 20, because I think there's some really great phrases that are worth thinking about. They're illustrative phrases that help me in reflecting back, meditating on them. And then eventually we're going to pray through a couple of these phrases because I think it's a really a great way to pray. And so we come to verse 19 when Paul is reminding them of his three years with them in Ephesus. He says, I serve the Lord with great humility. Now, it doesn't sound humble to say I was greatly humble. I think what he means by that is, you know, I wasn't flaunting my power. I lived 
in humble means. You remember that. I lived, I served the Lord in humble means and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. So what he was saying there is, you remember my tears. I lived in suffering. I lived with a cause that made my life humble means. And I always had to deal with those who were trying to hurt me because they were opposing the message that I was testifying to the resurrection of Jesus. He says in verse 20, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks, and this is kind of a key phrase here, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Now, the way that phrase is worded reminds us of what Jesus said to Paul. We looked at this in Acts 26, what Jesus said to Paul when he said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they would receive forgiveness of sins and a place and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So Paul's saying here, I, I, I declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance. He's saying what Jesus said to him to say, that life is about not living for yourself and the ways that we have lived for ourselves, like every other human being except for Jesus in the history of humanity, wanting to be our own God, wanting to define right and wrong for ourselves, and that that, that has brought nothing but a path of destruction and a path of death. But the risen Jesus is offering us resurrection. The risen Jesus is offering us grace. The risen Jesus is offering us an inheritance if we would follow him as the Christ, if we would follow him, turn to God, turn from darkness to light, that's what repentance is. Turning from darkness to light, turning from the lies of Satan to the truth of God. And and so repentance isn't this idea, I've said this before and I just always want to emphasize it. Repentance isn't this idea, I'm, I'm a dirt ball, I'm terrible, and I need to just beat myself. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is simply turning to God. It's, it's recognizing that I've been turning to the darkness too much, and I need to turn back to the light. I've been making choices to follow the lies of Satan, and I need to turn back to the truth of God, the presence of God, the worship of God, the reality of God, and walk in the light. And so it's a grace kind of thing. God has open arms. Jesus has open arms, and he's just saying, will you just turn back to me? You can come back. Whenever you see in the Bible, a lot of times you see that God grants repentance. It's one of the things that is talked about in uh, 2 Timothy 2. Paul says, in the hope that God may grant them repentance and that they would come to the knowledge of the truth and escape the trap of the devil who's held them captive to do his will. That's the way Paul saw life. That's the way Paul saw the drama that we're in and that God grants repentance. Repentance is a really great thing. When I have a chance to repent, that is a gracious gift of God. And that's what Paul's saying here. Look, turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Be aligned with Jesus. Choose to follow Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Rely on Jesus. Believe in Jesus that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the bread of life, that he is the living water, that he is the good shepherd. 
have faith in our Lord Jesus and stop trying to find satisfaction somewhere else. Stop looking for satisfaction in other places and just turn to God, come back to him and believe, trust, rely upon, align yourself with our Lord Jesus. Now, Paul, when he said our Lord Jesus, saw the Lord Jesus. And so he speaks with unparalleled conviction about what that really is. And so he says this in verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me. So Paul's saying, look, I'm, I'm done playing the game of trying to have my life be what I live for. This life on earth now is not the goal. It's not the end game. It's not the prize. It's not the point. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So we saw in the last episode when Jesus had given him that task, but Paul saw his life ever from that point on, Paul saw his life in the metaphor, the imaginary image in his mind was that he was running a race. There are times where there's hills, there's times where we get to run on level ground, there's times we even get to run downhill from time to time. But life is a race. In the last letter in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote, we have his sort of goodbye phrase. And he says there in 2 Timothy 4, 6, because he he ended up having to go to Rome. He ended up being tried. And at some point in his life, he knows it's not going to go well. He's going to be executed. And so these are his last words in 2 Timothy 4. It's the last chapter we have that he's ever written. These are his last words we have in the New Testament. He says in verse 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. In other words, they're going to go ahead and kill me as an appeasement so they can quiet those who oppose me and not have to deal with the political risks of keeping me alive. I'm going to be a drink offering. I'm going to be a sacrificial lamb kind of thing. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Now that's a mouthful, but I've always loved that passage, and it relates to this passage we're looking at in Acts 20. So let me explain. Paul saw his life. He says in Acts 20 that, that, I, that my only aim is to finish the race. And so when Paul gets to the end of his life, he he, he has this relief that he finished the race. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. And this is what I was talking about in our last episode, that we have these promises as believers, and we can, we can be confident these promises are true, and we can know that if our faith is in Christ and we're, we're wanting to live for him, we want him to be our good shepherd. We want him to be our Lord, our God, that and that's never perfect, right? We always have the reality of sin, the reality of going our own way, and that's why repentance is part of it. Nobody gets to the point where they have perfect faith, perfect obedience. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a sense in which the jury is still out on all of us. Will we keep the faith? Will we endure? And so Paul got to the end of his life, and he said, 
I have. I, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there's a crown for me. Not a crown that is like a trophy, but a crown that gets to the whole thing the Bible says, that we will reign with Christ. We get the one, Genesis one twenty six is given back to us, that we get the full image of God. We get to reign over the earth because the Christ has been given the throne and we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And so in him we reign. And so there is this crown of righteousness, which is the the crown of Christ, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me, award to me on that day. And not only to me, it's not just like a trophy just for me, not like I won, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Here's the thing, that when we have a a saving kind of faith, we're growing in our longing for Christ's appearing. We're growing in our longing to finish the race in this kind of way, to keep the faith in this kind of way, and to have that day where we get to reign with Christ on the earth. When Christ appears, we also will appear with him in glory, Paul says in Colossians 3, 4. This is what Paul's mindset is. And so Paul's saying, look, I, I don't consider this life, my life, worth, I, I consider it worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. This is the good news, the good news of God's grace. That's what I'm testifying to. It's good news that we get a resurrection. It's good news we get to come back to God and this glory of shining like the sun and the kingdom of our Father, shining like the risen Christ who appeared to me, this good news of God's grace that we can repent, that we can turn back to God, that we can turn from darkness back to the light, we can turn from Satan back to God, and we can come back to him and have a resurrection and have a life with with him and this life is nothing you've imagined life living in the presence of the god that created this universe life living in the presence of the jesus i saw on the road to damascus that day life living in the presence of the one who created you the one who loves you the one who died for you the one who is the very essence of the glory of god who is with you and you can be with him forever jesus says i pray that they would be with me where i am and see my glory in john 17 this is to Paul, because he saw the risen Christ, an amazing, incomparable life task. Paul talks this way in Philippians chapter 3 when he says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Again, seeing Christ, it changed how he saw everything in his life. And so he says, I press on in verse 12, Philippians 3, I'm reading, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That was Paul's ambition. Now you might think, boy, this is a religious nut. I think you'd be a religious nut too if you saw the risen Jesus the way Paul did. This bright, brighter than the sun presence of the risen Jesus would change your life. You would now know the true story your life is in. You would now know the real real stakes of your faith 
the real stakes of whether or not you want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ or not. So I think that because Paul had that experience, it does make him sound a bit extreme, but it's only extreme because he's not caught up a little bit. He's not under the same spell that you and I are under, where we kind of see this life as the point and the comforts of this life as our goal and the possessions of this life as our prize. Paul didn't buy that game anymore. He said, no, that's, I, I, I've lost everything and well worth it because of what I've gained. And so when Paul talks about the loss of things and his suffering, he says in 2 Corinthians 11, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one, you know, 39 whips, you weren't supposed to survive 40 kind of thing. Three times I have been beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked, I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. That was what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. So Paul has gone through it, and it's all been worth it to him. He says, I just want to finish the race, and I want to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, do you see God's grace as good news? Because Paul really, 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 really did. So Paul says in verse 32, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Doesn't that sound a lot like what Jesus said to him in Acts 26, 18? Turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they would receive forgiveness of sins and a place and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul's saying the same kind of thing now. Now I'm going to commit you to the word of his grace, this word that is able to turn you from darkness to light, this word that is able to free you from the spell of the evil one, this word that is able to 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 bring you into an inheritance among those who are made holy. To Paul, that was everything. And I think to me, I want that to be everything. I want to have more and more this understanding that the Apostle Paul had of the real drama of my life, the real story that my life is in, not the spell of a false story, but the real story. And I want to have that same goal of of finishing the race, of fighting the good fight of faith, of keeping the faith, so that I can receive an inheritance, this brighter-than-the-sun inheritance, this resurrection, this inheritance in the kingdom of God among all those who are sanctified. I want to receive the prize that Paul said he was living his life for. I want to receive the crown all those who long for his appearing receive. This is what I want my life to be because I'm buying in. I think Paul saw the real thing. I know the apostles saw the risen Jesus, spent 40 days with him. And I think this is exactly the story my life is in. And so I want to believe the good news of God's grace. And I want to turn to God in repentance and have faith in my Lord Jesus Christ more and more. How about you?
This passage in Acts 20 has been my fa- one of my favorite passages for decades, for over 30 years. I've come back to it. And there are definitely things here that we can pray that will help us put ourselves in a prayerful mindset before the Jesus that Paul saw is the same Jesus right now with you. Jesus wanted you to see God as your Father in heaven who is with you even when you go into your closet and shut the door to pray. He is there with you in secret, and that's what's happening right now. I don't care if you're driving. I don't care where you are. That God is with you. The risen Jesus who shines brighter than the sun is with you, and he loves you to pray because he loves you. He wants to relate to you. He wants you to relate to him, but he wants you to put your mindset in a place more and more in the real narrative, being fooled less and less by the spell of the evil one and being drawn into the darkness by this life that is pursued for ourselves. That's what darkness is, but rather turn to the light, turn to God and receive this inheritance, this resurrection and this kingdom of God inheritance among all those who are sanctified by faith in Christ. That's what we're wanting to do right now is build our faith in Christ through prayer. So let me lead you, lead us, lead me in a time of prayer. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, the one who shines brighter than the sun, Lord Jesus, the one who came and humbled yourself and lived in poverty and lived in suffering and suffered and died on the cross because the cross is the way to glory. Humbling ourselves is the way to exaltation, and that's the story our life is in. Not trying to exalt ourselves, promote ourselves, express ourselves, be true to myself. That's the false narrative. That's the darkness. That's the spell. And we want to break from that and turn to you, the true glory, the true narrative of our life. You are our creator. You are the source of our existence. You are the source of all that exists. You are the source of this entire universe. And what an incredible truth that you reach out to me. You love me. You died for me, Paul says. The life I now live in the body, he says in Galatians 2.20, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul saw you, Lord Jesus, and he never looked back. I don't want to look back. I want to look to you as the one who loved me and gave yourself to me. And you are the first to rise from the dead. And I want to live for the resurrection to be with you, to see your glory, to live, to serve you, to live, to worship you forever and ever in your kingdom. This kingdom that no eye has seen nor heart ever imagined, mind conceived, what you have prepared for those who love you. And so I want to love you more and more. I want to buy in to this entire gospel of grace, the good news of God's grace, Paul says. And so I want to turn to God. I want to turn to you in repentance, repenting of all the ways that I've been self-entitled and complained all the ways that I have been selfish in my relationships rather than loving people with tears. All the ways that I've lived for myself thinking this life, I don't want to miss out and living driven by the fear of missing out. What a lie, what a deception, what a darkness, what a spell. 
And instead, I want to be willing to lose whatever it is that you want to take from me so that you can give me your kingdom, so that you can give me this eternal inheritance. Of course, I don't want to suffer. Of course, I pray for you to provide. Of course, I pray that you would give me this day my daily bread and all the things that I would pray for, for your blessings. But I don't want any of those things to be a God, to be an idol, to be a trick. But I want to run the race. I want to finish the race. I want to say with Paul here, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task you have for me. I know, Jesus, there are going to be hills to have to run up. And I pray that you would enable me by your Holy Spirit to run those hills. I want to finish the race. I want to keep the faith. I want to fight the good fight of faith so that I would have this crown of righteousness, this that's an image of reigning with you forever and ever in your kingdom on a restored earth in a resurrected body that you says shine like the sun, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. And so I acknowledge what Paul says in Acts 14.22 that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I pray that you would help me in those hardships to keep my focus where it needs to be, and that is on you, on your glory, on your love, on your presence, on your promise of your inheritance of those who are sanctified by faith in you. I want to have faith in you. I want to submit to you. I want to trust in you. I want to rely upon you. Apart from you, I can do nothing. You are the vine. I'm the branch. You are the source of my life. Apart from you, I can do nothing. I want to live for you. And I want to go through whatever it is that you call me to go through because you are good and your will for me is good and your will for me can be trusted because you can be trusted because of your sacrificial love for me already demonstrated on the cross. You can be trusted with my life and so I trust you. You are the prize. You're the prize of my life. You're the goal of my life. You're the aim of my life. You're the race that I run. I run because you're the finish line. And so I believe the word of your grace, which can build me up and give me an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I want to believe your word is true and that you love me with an intense sacrificial love because you have this eternal glory you have called me in. And I want to live my life for that eternal glory, that eternal inheritance. And so I want to live my life with great humility and love people with real tears, have real relationship with people, not be selfish, not be self-centered, not live for me. But I want to have my focus be on helping others, helping the weak, helping others love you because I'm a man of grace, a person of grace, a person of love, a person of great humility, a person of tears, a person of commitment, a person of care and genuine emotion because that's the real story my life is in. That's the real prize is loving people, loving God, running this race. And I pray that you would help me finish the race and fight the good fight of faith and keep the faith for your crown, for you as my prize. 
And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.